Hi everyone, welcome back. Uh, this is episode two of the Gustav Baller Show. My name is Max. Um, I'm joined again today by my best bud, Nick. Hi everybody, my name is Nick. Thanks for having me back. It's great to be back. Thanks for listening, everybody. Love that you're back. Um, Dave's not back. He's still hungover from <laughs> the last time. That's not true. Um, <clears throat> Oh, man. Yes. So um, today we're going to talk about some some Franz Schubert, one of my all-time favorite composers and the composer that really made me fall in love with classical music. Um, but first, we forgot to do this. All, all three of us forgot to mention this the last episode. So right away, we're going to tell you what we're drinking right now, just to get just to set things off on a good foot. Mm. Um what what you got, Nick? Mm, I'm drinking. Uh, I've I've had a few Sam Adams, and I've got another one right here. Love Gonna it. get get that going. I've also got a little bourbon rye. Mm. Bourbon rye. Mm-hmm. Or like is it... bu- bullet rye is what I meant to say. Bullet rye. Oh yeah. Oh. oh. Bullet rye. <laughs> bourbon rye. That's, that sounds really good. That's, that's like saying whiskey gin or something. <laughs> you remember when um, in Greg's theory class, you called something a cadential cadence, and he was like, "That's like being an idiotic idiot, Nick." Yes, yeah, Greg. Yeah, Greg. Um, he's yeah, he's really, <laughs> really let me have it after that one. It's a really good. And I was, class. I was, I was sober at that point. I mean, right now, you know. Yeah, guys, true. you got y'all can cut me some slack, right? Uh, so I had, I had a spaghetti. Have you ever had one of those? Um. I don't know. It's a um, it's a Miller High Life, and you put some Aperol in it. <laughs> nice, so good. I was gonna get some um, like Viennese wine or German wine, um, but it's too. It's, it was really nice in the Twin Cities today, and a little too nice to drink wine. It was like sixty five degrees. Got to have something like summery. So that was first, yeah. and then now I'm I'm having a little Campari and soda with uh-huh. a little orange. But actually, first I'm gonna have. Um, have you ever had Unterberg, Nick? No. It comes in these little individually wrapped bottles and you drink it after a big meal, like oh. in one in one sip. It's herbal, tastes so good. And I just took a fucking fish and chips to the face in like <laughs> seven and a half minutes. So my stomach is all fucked up. Oh, so I'm gonna good. have this. That's good. And then um then we can get on the road. Oh that's great. I'm gonna pour a little bit of rye. And um and then, after a break, I might make a Negroni or something, but... Oh, cool. For now, this is, this is good. I've also got... What kind of snacks you got? Um, I've got some tortilla chips that I'm crunching on, because they have, they, have they have a particularly good crunch, you know? So I felt that, I felt that, that would be good. It's great um, for the listener. I think last time I had a pickle, and that wasn't... Oh. I mean, I, I guess there's some crunch involved, but it's not, it's not on the same tor- like level as a tortilla, you know? Where do you land on like bread and butter versus dill pickles? Um, I think I'm I'm like a dill pickle person, but I really like all pickles. But like, I think I really like the dill. Yeah. What about you? Um. You know how Trump has been releasing these like idiotic statements. Yeah. If he put one out tomorrow, where he was like, "If you vote for me in 2024, I'll ban bread and butter pickles," I'll be like, "Fuck it." This is my guy. <laughs> I fucking hate bread and butter pickles. 
The worst thing is if you order a sandwich and ask for pickles on it, and without knowing, you get bread and butter pickles on it. Wow. Yeah, that. Uh, yeah, that's pretty messed up because, like, I feel I feel that a sandwich. I don't know. You have to have a dill pickle on a sandwich, right? Am I crazy? No, that's a known fact. Yeah. Oh. Yep. Okay. <clears throat> um. So. So. Um, so shit. So Schubert. I should have had my phone so I could. Oh, I do. Franz. Franz Schubert. All right. I just get his dates real quick. I think it's 1797 to 1828. Um. Yes. So basically, a year after Beethoven. A, a year after Beethoven. Yeah. Did you know he was a pallbearer at Beethoven's funeral? I no, I didn't know. I you know I I should say I I know little, I know very little about Schubert. Like I didn't I I don't think I, I know as much as you. So I'm I'm really excited. I'm I'm looking forward to learning like from what you have to say about Schubert because I I've always liked Schubert's music, but I never really studied him very in depth. So that's that's cool. Yeah. So I think to, he's like I know. Last time we when we were talking about Mahler. So many times we've mentioned how sad he was and like how dark a lot of the music is. But yeah. I think Schubert is, if not the saddest man in Western music, like the saddest man in history. And wow. part of it has to do with the years that he was born. Like <clears throat> he lived his entire life in the shadow of Beethoven. Right. Um, and probably there's going to be some hearsay in this episode because there are things that I remember teachers of mine saying back in undergrad that I've never fact-checked okay. and I have this memory of them saying those things. So I'm just, I'm going to say them. And if, if one of the 10 listeners feels like fact-checking <laughs> fine, if not just accept it and move on. But, um, yeah, he, there was never any like public recognition of Schubert and his music mm -hmm. while he was alive. Part of that has to do with, I think, like, how dominant Beethoven was. Okay. Um, and also it has a little bit to do with, I, I probably has a lot to do with how different their music is. Like, Beethoven's music is driven by, like, a teleology. Like, there's motivic development and there's goals and the piece starts and it, like, works through a problem and then, like, gets to the end. And Schubert's mm -hmm. is a little more, like, stagnant. There's not as much happening in terms of like motivic development and like interesting formal things it's more like it's on a different plane of time and even schumann said something like this like after after schubert died and they discovered the ninth symphony i think schumann said it was it had heavenly length and by that he just meant it was long as fuck and so i just okay. like part of it is that schubert wasn't writing music in like the um in the same vein as Beethoven. Um, uh, yeah, and, but, and, uh, yeah, anyways. So he never really had any public recognition in, in his lifetime. And one thing I remember Gary Bush saying is that, like, eventually his friends figured out, they realized, like, he was such a genius and they tried to organize a concert of his music. Um, <laughs> yeah. But but Paganini came to town the same night, and so everyone went to go see Paganini oh, instead of Schubert. Oh fuck, Paganini, bro! That sucks. A burn. That fucking sucks. Fuck that guy. He doesn't know shit. He Paganini doesn't know anything. Um. Okay. So this is yeah. That's really interesting to me. So I I know that Schubert had 
like a tremendous output of music. Like he wrote so much music, Huge. so much music. And um, I, I mean, I wonder, like, do you attribute that to, I mean, obviously he was like, you know, I know that I know that he was like a prodigy when he was a, he was a young kid. He was like, he's pretty good right away, you know, as, as, as a musician and a performer. Do you do you think like how 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 is somebody who does not get recognized like how does somebody and who died really young where did they get the drive to just constantly compose music from like you know what I mean like this guy he died what he was like thirty or something yeah he was like thirty one he's not he wasn't recognized like it wasn't like people were like commissioning him to write works right people didn't commission him um, yeah he was kind of in like this tight knit circle of players in Vienna. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so where does that output come from? Like, it, I mean, that's crazy to me. <clears throat> there was a, there was one year, like 1816 or 1826 or whatever. It doesn't matter. But uh-huh. he wrote over 20,000 measures of music in that one year. Oh, shit. Which is insane. Yeah. Like, I've written maybe 20 measures of music my entire life. Yeah, so my dude wrote twenty thousand in dude, one year. My dude taken one year, and yeah, that's crazy. <clears throat> I, so, and th- this is another bit of hearsay that I remember Tim Sullivan telling telling me in class one time uh-huh. that some researchers tried to do the math and figure out how it was humanly possible that Schubert wrote as much music as he did, right. and they <laughs> like <clears throat> the result of the study was that they found out that he couldn't have or something like that. That it was like near impossible for him to <laughs> to have written all that oh, music. Oh man, that's crazy. Maybe did he like write with both hands, like at the same time, like two different pieces at the same time? That would be that would be really cool. That'd be sick. Actually, and so at first I thought like maybe he was a really sloppy writer and just kind of like jotted shit down in in nasty kind of sketches. Okay. But um, also that's not the case. When I lived in Boston, I went to the um, Boston Public Library and they had some manuscripts of Schubert. Right. And they were just like so perfect and so clean and damn that that it, like that he wrote not, not like a copy that he wrote his, in his hand yeah oh wow yeah so he was just um, he was just really incredibly efficient and while while like because you know sometimes people who are efficient get into like a like a formula like they get into like kind of a you know they have a certain formula for composing mm-hmm. but he was still able to write really innovative stuff like you mentioned like different stylistically from beethoven in a, in a sense um like how you well you mentioned like that he 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 was different from beethoven like how what specifically was he doing differently so like you know like beethoven five and then the whole movement and then the whole like the whole work all four movements together are all like derived from that one thing right yeah and there's like an intense like working out of this one idea it's like a really intellectual exercise and it's about like the the organic the idea like growing out into this like organic like plant that makes up the whole piece or whatever okay but schubert like you get like really long melodies like uh, like beethoven's an awesome composer and i like his music pretty much but my dude could not write melodies that like we don't remember beethoven for being a good like tune writer there's not yeah. much in beethoven that you can like whistle or something 
Okay. But like <clears throat> um, Schubert, like really long melodies and just like moments where like the tonality doesn't really go anywhere. There'll be like um, like in in classical music, like one is trying to get away from one from the tonic and go to the dominant somehow. In Schubert, it's like there's kind of a stasis where like harmonies will alternate in ways that don't really like further the progression, and um, yeah. Was wow. That, does, that, does that answer your question? No, that's that's really interesting. I did not know that. I mean, I know Beethoven. Like, yeah, like we don't think of his. We think of Beethoven more of like rhythmic and like form and structure and um, like that kind of stuff. Yeah. Like his his innovations but i didn't i didn't realize that schubert like the way you described his like longer form of or long longer sense of melody that's really cool there is um like in the 19th century his his forms were so long that they just thought he didn't know how to use them and that's why his (laughs) his music was like largely ignored for a long time yeah but then like if you if you're if your aesthetic lens isn't like what can you do with a single ba 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 and like how can you turn that into a whole piece mm-hmm. if that's not like how you decide whether or not a piece is good it just took I, like i i hate the idea generally of like being before your time or something like this uh-huh. but schubert i do think was a little bit before his time yeah and um there's also i think in the Taruskin, um Oxford History of Western Music, like he tr- tries to trace a little bit like a symphonic arc from like Mozart that skips over Beethoven and all the like organicist, um, oh shit, like motivic people all the way to Tchaikovsky, because mm-hmm. Tchaikovsky's symphonies are also that way. They're not like heavily motivic, right? Those are also long melodies and stuff like that and yeah. i think that schubert is like in a, a nice like middle ground between those two. Oh, cool so okay i'm just like trying to think about like also the time that he was alive for him to be doing that that's really early on in like the it's it's really early and really weird like he kind of has um Gary Bush would say he has one foot in the classical and one foot in the romantic. Right. Um, like, he still writes in pretty classical forms, like sonata, symphonies, string quartets. Okay. Um, piano trios, ch- like, chamber music. Um, he did write operas, because that was, like, what got performed most of the time back in the day, but none, I don't think any of them got performed. Um, uh-huh. Apparently, they're not very good. I don't know. Okay. Interesting. No, um, so, oh, go ahead. No, no, no. I was going to say, um, if you are somebody who is like trying to get into Schubert, like where, because he has so much fucking music, yeah. where is, where is a good place to start? Like me personally, I, most of the Schubert I know is the chamber music, like, like string quartets. I, and I, I, I mm-hmm. like chamber music. Um, I know some of his symphonies, like I know his unfinished symphony kind of, I know his quintet in C, um, mm-hmm. which is fucking awesome. Like I, that's yeah. one of the pieces that I have listen to a lot and string quartet number 14 uh which has a name i think death and the maiden i think is that the death and the maiden one yeah like i know that piece really well um but he also has a ton of other music like like his vocal music yeah. and and like 
I, I, so where where does somebody begin? And that's that's exactly where I would say with the vocal music, ah. um, because you like they say that all Mozart is opera music. Like no matter what you're listening to by Mozart, it's it's operatic in some way. Okay. And with Schubert, I really feel like it's all song. Yeah. And that's why, like, the melodies are so long and so beautiful. Like, um, so, but then it's like, okay, my dude wrote over 600 songs. Where do you start there? <laughs> and, yeah, so, um, Schubert is the composer that made me love classical music. Yeah, like, you mentioned that. Um, Nick and I, when we were buddies in high school, like, I don't know about you, Nick, but I definitely didn't listen to classical music. The only classical music no. I played was what my piano teacher assigned. Right. I didn't care anything else um, outside of that. Like we were listening to punk rock and ska and yeah, and whatever. And I just went to music school because I didn't think I had any other skill sets or interests. <laughs> and I got to music school, and I was accompanying um, our friend Nick Manzella. <laughs> <laughs> and he was singing some songs from this song cycle from Schubert called Die Schöne Millerin, the like lovely Miller maid. Um, and a song cycle is a bunch of songs meant to be performed in one group. And all of these are poems by this guy Wilhelm Müller. And it's about um, this like young Austrian or German chap. He, fin- he finishes up his apprenticeship um, he like goes out in the world. He's roaming around the woods like any young, good young German guy does. He finds a brook. He befriends the brook. It has like a character presence in the poems. He follows the brook. He follows it to a farm. He, obviously, he falls in love with the farmer's daughter. Yeah. Um. She doesn't even know he exists, and then he drowns himself in the river. And uh, but it's not sad, cause like um, <laughs> there's this like romantic and poetic association with death and like death has a return to nature and that he's like drowning himself and his friend the river some people some some people would say that the river is like a um like a mephistopheles sort of like devilish character but it's not true the the brook is his friend and so we were playing some songs from that and at the time i was really 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 in love with this german foreign exchange (laughs) student who didn't like me at all and um, I was like, oh, my God, this dude, this dude, get, I, I understand where this guy's coming from. He just wants to throw himself in the river. I totally get it. And I was like, oh, shit, classical music is good. It can actually mean something. That's great. That's awesome. Um, so that set's called Die Schöne Müllerin. Okay. And um, I, I would recommend listening to that. Like, Okay. So that's one of the only... <laughs> That's probably the only Schubert vocal piece that I really know that well, just because I know I remember you talking about it a lot <laughs> freshman year or whatever so that was. Good. Yeah, and that's that's really funny. That's awesome story about Nick Manzella too. That he that that was kind of your introduction to it. Um, yeah, that's really cool. So, as someone who's like a saxophonist, and Schubert didn't write for saxophone, obviously because it didn't exist. Yeah, like how do you find a way into it? What what do you like about it? What pieces interest you? Like. Um, so I, I really like chamber music. Um, and so I, w- I always gra- kind of gravitated toward his string quartets and earlier in, or, or I should say last year, I was writing a string quartet and I listened to, um, Schubert 
quartets, Bartok, and uh, there was some other composer that my my composition teacher recommended that I listen to. Uh, I can't remember. <laughs> I should I should slow. Carter. I I I don't know. I forget. I'm. I should slow down. Shostakovich. Oh, maybe maybe it was Shostakovich. Or I don't know. I remember you talking about Shostakovich a little bit last year. Yeah. So any okay. Anyway, so I I gravitate towards toward chamber music. But yeah, as a saxophone player, um, hard hard to get into Schubert. A lot of people play the Arpeggione Sonata, um, but I never played it. Uh, so what's the Arpeggione? What is it? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I think it's like a guitar or something. Right. Yeah. Okay. Or are you yeah. are you asking? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, That's okay. Hang on. Hang on a second. I, I, can, I need a refill. <laughs> I'm really learning a lot. Honestly, honestly, I am. Yeah, it's like a guitar or like a. Um, um, I, I feel like it has a bow, right? Yeah, it's like a a fretted instrument that you bow. I think. Okay. Okay. Cool. Cool. But no one plays it anymore. Like, well, that yeah, I think that's why that piece gets like transcribed because, like you're saying, Schubert was like this incredible prolific composer. I feel like, as a saxophone player or as somebody who doesn't play an instrument that, like, I, I want to study classical music and understand Western art music, but my engagement <laughs> as a performer is limited because of the repertoire yeah. I have on my instrument. So I'm, I'm all about transcriptions. Like that's cool. I'm cool with it. We're, yeah. we're cool. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Um, but I, I don't, you know, I don't know what I was saying. Um, anyway, Man, so yeah, so my short term memory is like really the first thing to go. I know. I, <laughs> um, I feel like we were pretty coherent there for a while. Last time, I feel like we <laughs> we kind of started really drunk. Do you know what I'm yeah. saying? I feel like we, yeah. Anyway, um, all right. So, yeah. But you know, another really good, good, like a single song to start with, like the most famous, probably Schubert song of all. Yeah, is um, the Erlkönig. Oh, mein Vater. Vater. Yeah, my <laughs> I think we used to have a joke about that being about Star Wars or something. But one one really amazing thing about Schubert in his songs is the way he can like um like paint a scene with tones, right? Yeah. So like it's right? Oh, oh shit. Sick. That that peaks uh, so much. Dude, well, it's anyways. all good. Fuck yeah. Peak that shit. But, but the um, <laughs> like the the repeated triplets are the so Errol Koenig tells another story about a father and his son riding on a horse. The fa- the son is sick. The father's trying to get him to a doctor. Okay. And the son like keeps seeing like images of the devil like out in the out in the marshes. Yeah. And um, so like in the in the little bit I just played the repeated triplets like picture the horse. The like that's like the wind blowing, and then like all the characters in that song have different vocal ranges and different styles of accompaniment. So he's really like masterful at creating these little like uh, it's like a, a little music drama, 
And something Gary Bush said about why Schubert's operas were so bad is that most people who can write operas can't write songs, and most people who can write songs can't write operas. Oh, interesting. Like, the I only like exception would be uh, Richard Strauss. Okay. Because he can, he can do both. But, like, Schubert's songs are so perfect. They're, like, all these huge music dramas, but they take place in, like, two to three minutes. Interesting. Whereas Wagner, who writes these, like, four-hour operas, mm. he's not too great at writing songs. In- interesting, though, because, as you mentioned before, Schubert was known for really expansive melodies, right? That's, that's true. So it's just weird. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> but I think maybe what that does say is that he's he's able to like convey in such a short period with such a compelling melody and such a long expansive melody he's able to convey he doesn't need a two-hour opera to you know wrap that shit up (laughs) i don't know (laughs) yeah i think it's 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 possible that like the a, a lot of the the his his vocal melodies like leap around and it a little bit sounds like yodeling and sometimes yeah. like if you're in austria or you're in germany and you listen to germans and austrians speak german like there is kind of like a sing-songy yodely element to it i think when there's an actual singer it's like shortened into these actual like singable phrases but when it's on an instrument like piano where you don't need to take a breath or anything yeah like that gives him the ability to write these like really long 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 things oh cool yeah oh the other the other pieces that i know by schubert are the um you played the Im- piano impromptus right is that true? oh yeah i i remember i again <laughs> just because you played it and i heard it so many times um i think you did it for a recital like um that we did in like schenectady like uh Probably yeah. like ten years ago or some shit, some depressing shit like that. But anyway, I know I know those pieces too. <laughs> those ones are also really good. Um, yeah. So those are the impromptus. I think Opus one forty two. They were published after he died. Oh. There's two sets of piano impromptus. That's the second set. Um, that's four pieces. I really really love those ones. Also, like that's also a really great place to start. Yeah. Um, if you want to listen to some piano music. Um, there is, you know, uh, you know, we've been, we've been talking for like, it's like 27 minutes. Really? Let's. Are you fucking kidding me? (laughs) That was, that flew by. Flying by. Yeah. We just started. Um, I, (laughs) I'm going to get another drink and use the bathroom and then, um, I'm going to sober up. Let's get back to it. (laughs) Okay. It's all good. Um, had had to dump. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Got to. Uh, okay. So before we start again, uh, 
Are you still drinking the same thing? Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. I didn't. What kind of bourbon? What kind of bourbon rye are you having? Huh? Like, <laughs> who made it? Oh, Bullet. Oh yeah. Oh shit. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Okay. Right. Oh man. Okay. I'm having a Negroni. Oh, sick. You like Negronis? Yeah. Yeah. I just like. I'm lazy as fuck. I just. <laughs> I just grab the bottle and just drink. Yeah. I don't. I don't make drinks often. Yeah, that's fair. Or I just open. There's it. a really good, um, like, in if you make a Negroni with bourbon instead of gin, mm-hmm. it's called a Boulevardier. That's also really good. That's uh, really good for like winter or like the end of the night or something. Okay, that's a really good one. Right on. Right on. Yeah, this is a Sam Adams Summer Ale. Which I never had before. I mean, I was just like, "Oh, this sounds good." It's like yeah. it's like a wheat, a wheat beer. I know some people like don't like wheat beer, but I don't. Know, I don't. I like it. I don't fucking care. Yeah, it really it it doesn't. Matter. It doesn't. It doesn't <laughs> fucking matter. <laughs> um, okay. One thing I forgot to mention before. Did you ever meet my friend Yannick in Boston? No. I don't think so. Because you visited me in Boston, didn't you? Yeah, I did. I No, um, I don't think he was there, though. Okay. Because I remember you talking so, about him. So, Yannick, um, Yannick Rafalimanana, uh-huh. amazing pianist, was supposed to join us today, but he got COVID. Ah, uh, fuck. And he's all better now. He's like, he beat it, and yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. But And I asked him if he still wanted to come on, but he said that he can't talk for more than, like, five or ten minutes at a time without getting winded oh, fuck that sucks and he can't drink so yeah two strikes yeah that's You're out of here. we'll get him back oh man and another thing i forgot to mention sucks. is um even though yannick couldn't make it i was lucky enough to score an interview with a noted schubert scholar masha komarov oh shit really so i'm gonna play that like after after this segment, oh after man, we wrap up, I'll play like the, that interview. That's really that's really exciting. Yeah, it's pretty cool. She's, yeah, she's one of the best there is, and so that's gonna be awesome. Um, that's amazing. Okay, back to business. So, oh yeah, are we back? Are you gonna say something? Oh no, wait. Or no, you can say something. I don't care. Are we? Is this on the show? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I just want, I just want. No, it's cool. I mean, I don't know. What was I going to say? That like, <laughs> As long as I don't say Dave's last name, we should be good. We're good to go. Um, no, I was going to say, um, oh, fuck. I don't, I don't. Oh, man. I don't remember. I got this good ass Italian vermouth. Oh. Oh, my God. It's so good. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, you. Oh, this is what I was going to say. To- again, totally unrelated to Schubert. That's why I. That's why I asked. Um, but you mentioned fish and chips before, and I'm like, fuck. It's been so long since I've had some <laughs> good fish and chips. You know, for me, it was the same. And you know why? Why? Because that's not a good takeout food. Yes, Sarah and I talk about this all the time. You gotta. It's not. You really have to order like by the method of how you're gonna eat the food, not by what food you want. Agreed. A hundred percent agreed. I can't, I mean, yeah, we all probably have takeout down to a science, so I don't know how, yeah. how much we want to get into this, but, <laughs> but yeah, fish and chips, I know. it gets soggy super quick. So you gotta be, you gotta be careful. 
it's a really unique take yeah um from from me so interesting fish and chips doesn't travel well no one's ever thought of that you you heard it first you heard it first on the Gustav Baller show no uh, fucking fish and chips uh, fuck them yeah but yeah it's really it's whatever if you miss it bad enough also as Dan Ravenaugh used to say hunger is the best cook oh yeah yeah uh, and I was hungry as shit that's yeah um there you go all right let me toss out some other Schubert stuff go for you for you to react to um you know how we we have the the first Viennese school Beethoven Mozart Haydn okay and the second Viennese school Schoenberg Berg Webern yeah um none of those idiots were actually born in Vienna and Schubert is the only one who was born, lived, and died in Vienna. None of those and idiots. He, you know, Schubert writes all these amazing songs, like using texts about the sea, and it's unlikely he ever saw like the ocean or like a huge sea. Yeah, he was so poor his entire life, um, that. He yeah he lived I think he he never owned a piano he wrote a lot of his music on guitar I think uh-huh. um and um yeah just like lived with lived with friends my brother in law texted me something about how he tried to get married one time but couldn't afford the quote unquote bride price which i guess is a thing that you had to pay to marry someone if you lived in austria at that time Mm -hmm. and so he offered them like a set of songs and they took the songs but said he couldn't marry the girl and um (laughs) which seems kind of fucked up (laughs) um but yeah he was the only one who lived who was born in in vienna i always thought that was kind of interesting so he is the Viennese, and that he could write like such great music about the sea and never had had never seen that oh and so he, yeah, he is the Vienna school. He is the only one is he, that yeah. I consider. Yeah, he's the first and also, last. <laughs> something I forgot to say when you were talking about how, um, oh, come on, what's the word? When you do a lot of stuff, <laughs> chips. We've talked about chips. <laughs> no, no, no. When you're, when you like compose a lot. Um, What's the word for that? You mean like... Per... 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 <laughs> Prolific. Prolific. <laughs> um, part of the reason he was... He was so prolific, but he could also write so quickly. Like that song, Erlkenig, that I mentioned earlier. Yeah. Um, that was his first first published piece. He was 17 years old, I think. And... Yeah. He, he was like at his friend's house reading a book of poems by Goethe. And he was like, he said to his friend, like, hey, check out this poem. How awesome mm-hmm. is this poem? And then the friend, like, went out and ran some errands or whatever people did back then. And by the time he came back, Schubert had finished the song. Holy and there shit. And there's another, I forget, um, these other couple songs. But um, he wrote one of them, like, in his head on the walk to a pub. And then he wrote it down at the pub and then had some drinks and on his walk home. <laughs> wrote the other song and um and then like notated it when he got home damn so i think part of it is this dude just like was always had music on the brain oh my god that's crazy that's i mean yeah i I, okay that's 
that's another thing about Schubert. Like, I feel like, was he like kind of crazy? Like he was probably fucking crazy, right? You know, I, in what I was reading about him these, the last couple of weeks, all I could find out, I think he was pretty mild mannered until he got drunk. And the word that was used to describe him was cantankerous. And <laughs> oh, we got to have him on the I show. Can't, I can't imagine that, you know? Yeah. It's, it's hard to listen to his music, which is so, like, introverted and, like, kind of spiritual. Okay. And, like, think about, like, a frat boy writing it or something. Yeah. Huh. So, okay, I have another question about his, like, his productivity. Like, you said he was... He was not well off, right? He was poor. Mm-mm. Yeah. So do you think he was like writing just because like he like so just because he, he, he like didn't know the future was so unknown for him. He was like not he wasn't a composer by trade. Like he's not making his living as a musician or as a composer. Um, was he a teacher? He was no. a teacher, right? Definitely a teacher. OK. But I think he also did make money selling compositions like he wrote hundreds and hundreds of dances for piano uh, that I used to use in ballet classes all the time. Okay. But I think they were he wrote them to like be played in brothels and stuff, which yeah. he often frequented and uh, died of syphilis. There you go. Don't so. <laughs> <laughs> let it be a lesson to you kids. <laughs> so I think he made money from that. He made money from teaching. Um, <laughs> okay. Okay. I, I don't know though, man. Yeah. I actually, I don't know those details too well. Yeah. It's just, it's just interesting. Like he must've just like literally anytime he wasn't working, he must've just been putting out music. Like you said, like yeah. fucking walking to the bar. Like I can barely, I can barely like look at my phone. Like if somebody texts me, I got to stop walking to look at it or I'm going to fucking trip and fall. This guy's writing a song, you know? Yeah. Oh, and songs that are still performed like 200 years later. Yeah. Yeah. So, wow. Yeah. This is I, so. Um, I, I'm just like I, you know, hearing you talk about all this stuff. Like, I'm like super psyched to go check out his songs, especially because I really don't know a lot of his songs. Um, the songs are so good. Okay. Um, yeah. Like, just to you or to any anybody listening, just like find a singer you like and search for them singing Schubert on spotify or youtube and just like go to town good there's a bunch of good stuff okay good tips good tips another um should i say some other some other music i like go do it um i'll get to something other than songs in a sec but there's another another song called vandra's nachlied the wanderer's night song and um this is one of the songs that makes me not. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. Um, this is another one of the songs that makes me not afraid of death. Okay. Um, in in uh, the the text says something like. Like over the treetops in the mountains, you don't hear the wind, you don't hear the birds. Um, everything is at peace, and soon too you will also be at peace. Mm. 
And that's a really beautiful song. And actually, the story of the poem is even more amazing. Um, that's a poem by Goethe, um, one of the like great German poets. He wrote that poem when he was like 20-something years old, like on the wall of a hiking cabin that he was staying in. Mm-hmm. And he forgot about it. And then like five years before his death or something, he was hiking again. And they stayed at that same cabin, and he found that poem that he wrote on the wall. Oh, shit. <laughs> and that's not hearsay. That's a fact. That's a fact. Okay. And one of the coolest facts ever, because that poem that is, is cool. like, yeah. Um, and then I'd say another thing people can listen to, and I'll get I'll get into this a little bit with Masha later on, but the, the last three piano sonatas. Okay. Um. They're sometimes grouped together, like the last three Beethoven sonatas are grouped together. Um, or maybe it's five with Beethoven, but it's like five and three. But anyways, the last three sonatas he wrote in the last year of his life, or in the last month of his life. Um, so he had syphilis by then, and probably the medicine he was taking was like mercury or some shit, which was doing more harm than good. And yeah, you would get to a certain point in your treatment when you would like, stop having an appetite and that's when you knew the end was near and so he wrote these last three piano sonatas the first one in c minor tragic fighting it like or uh, it, he's he's being a kind of whiny but it's really really good okay the second one a major heroic like he's he's fighting for it trying to trying to stay alive the last one one of my all-time favorite pieces um the last piano sonata in b flat major we we the catalog number is D nine sixty, and this is like his acceptance of death. Uh, and okay. the first movement is so amazing. It sounds like you woke up in like a horse drawn carriage, and like you're a little bit confused as to why you're there, but you're not like too worried about it. Something tells you not to be worried, and then you just spend it like. Like leaning back, looking out, you see like the nice, the German countryside or the Austrian Alps or whatever. Yeah. See some thunderstorms maybe off in the distance, but like, don't worry about it. It's no big deal. Eventually you realize you're like being taken to the, to the last judgment or whatever. Mm -hmm. That's what it sounds like. Wow. But it's so nice. The second movement is a funeral march and it's like a funeral march he wrote for himself. And this, there's a moment in the, in the second movement, which makes which is one of the reasons schubert is so special because like in western music in western art music like in the classical tradition we normally associate major with happy and minor mode with sad right yeah and it starts in the minor mode and it's pretty tragic and sounds like a funeral march but then there's a moment when it switch switches to major and it's the same melody but it sounds like it it like so nostalgic or so like um, it's like a little bit pathetic uh-huh. and it's just it, but it's a major mode melody that is way more sad than the minor mode melody oh, and that to me is the mark of like a wildly good composer yeah that's um, great I have to check it out yeah. I'm, so, I'm so excited to listen to it now that's awesome yeah, that one's pretty good um, cool the 8th and ninth symphonies are good yeah, yeah. Um, I though I, I think I know the later symphonies. Like the what is symphony number nine? Is that in C major, right? Yeah, that's the great. 
quote unquote. Yeah, that's the one I. That's the one I know. Um, yeah. And eight is the unfinished in V minor. That's like the other really famous one. Okay. Oh right, right, right. I remember b- before I knew who Schubert was, um, like seeing an episode of The Simpsons where for some reason Lisa Simpson, who plays baritone saxophone, is playing. Yeah, sick. Um, in an orchestra that's playing the unfinished symphony. <laughs> And and Homer's like, how long could it be? It's unfinished. And then it's long as shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um <clears throat> and that was <laughs> Oh my god, dude. So that's like when I was like eighteen, I didn't know who goddamn Schubert was. And also I remember after being in music school for the first year, not knowing the difference between Schubert and Schumann. I couldn't tell the difference. Yeah, their their last names are too close. They're too, too close. close. Too close for a freshman oh, in music school. Fucking idiot. Um yeah. Yeah, man. I well, I mean, I for sure I was a way bigger idiot than you. I didn't know shit. Like, <laughs> I mean, so actually, actually, in ser- seriously though, it's interesting to hear though that Schubert was kind of what you Schubert was your introduction or not introduction, but how you really fell in love with Western art music. Would you say is that yeah. is that correct? Um, Hundred percent. So yeah, so that's so just hearing. I think hearing you talk about that is like really exciting. That's really cool. Um, because I, I don't know, I, I, for some reason, didn't I didn't get hyped about Schubert when I was younger. Um, but again, I was, I didn't, it's definitely, I didn't know what I was doing. It's hard to get hyped to it. It's not like hyped up music. Sure. And also, I had teachers at Crane who would be like, it, it's too long. It repeats the exact same thing too much. It's like, uh, someone, I, it was, it was Paul Siskind. He said something like, okay. how could someone who lived such a short life write such drawn out music or something like that? And I, I, wanted, I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, there's always this debate in Schubert's music, like, if you if you take the repeat of the first section. Because the first section is like 10 minutes long. Yeah. And normally when it, like, the, in the, the exposition, um, when... <clears throat> the exposition say it's like 10 minutes long it's usually repeated like verbatim but in the right keys in the in the recapitulation okay so people are always like well it's the same in the recapitulation like why should you play it twice I'm like you don't want to fucking listen to that twice if you don't think schubert is the tightest shit on earth get the fuck out of my face right like someone also one of my teachers also told me never to trust anyone who doesn't take the repeats in schubert and that's a thing I live by. That's a great. That's a great piece of advice right there. I know. I know. Like, I mean, it's the same idea. Like, when you hear a great album, you listen. You just listen to it again, right? I mean, again and again and again. I, 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 I who fucking cares if it's the same? Who fucking cares. Yeah. I don't give a shit. And then you can. And then you can. That's an opportunity to really like. Like, I. I mean, you know, if you know the repeat is coming, like take one time to kind of appreciate the composition of it. And then take another time to just like li- really like listen and watch the performer and see what they do with it a second time, you know. But again, that's like the thing that's different from him to Beethoven. Like it's not going any. It doesn't. It doesn't go anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like in Beethoven, maybe you don't take the repeat because there's like like some sort of narrative arc or something. But huh. in Schubert, it's more like just on like a higher spiritual plane where like time doesn't matter. Yeah. And. Like I I don't know man. So, um, in the in the last sonata, there is some material like underneath the repeat sign that doesn't come back. And Alfred Alfred Brendel, a really awesome Schubert pianist, um, was giving a talk at NEC, and someone asked him like the perennial question like, 
do you take the repeat in the first movement or not? And he was like, well, when I play it at home, I take it seven or eight times. I was like, yeah, of course. That's so good. That's the only way to play this shit. Uh, also, that's um, funny. so someday I really want to play a concert where I sk- like write a whole program, but I only play the exposition of that sonata over and over again. <laughs> until, until there's one person in the hall and then I finish it and I just play it for that one person. Okay, I'm going to give you a compliment. Okay. Oh, if, wow. If if somebody was like, "Hey, man, I just was at a concert and there was this piano player. Who, he played the same. He played the exposition like fifteen times." I'd be like, "There's, I, there's only one piano player I know who would do that shit. <laughs> <laughs> that shit. Obviously, you. Yeah, that's that's a Maxwell Howard wow. concert right there. Oh, cool. Thanks. Yeah. Man. There. There you go. Um. Um. Yeah. Schubert. Okay, I'll listen to Schubert. All right, fuck him. Yeah, fuck him. You mentioned the Death in the Maiden Quartet a long time ago. Oh, yeah. That one's really good. That's also based on a song. There is also in Schubert, like like in Mahler, this song and other genre conflation. Uh-huh. So, like, the song Death in the Maiden turns into a string quartet. He also has a song about going fishing that later becomes a piano um quintet called the trout quintet which is really really good piano violin viola bass uh cello and bass oh cool oh bass oh fuck yeah i love when people it's really cool to hear bass man i love when people write for bass i fucking love the bass if every composer just wrote bass music i would love it it's really good i love the bass um you want to hear probably my scorching scorchingest classical music take yeah yeah hell yeah I don't really like the sound of string quartets. Like the timbre of a string quartet doesn't do it for me. Interesting. I I mean, I I kind of, I mean, I, I almost am, am, am understanding what you're saying because it is very like. There's not enough bass. There's not enough bass. There's, I was going to say. It's so treble heavy. It's really, yeah, it's really top heavy. Um, the, the Schubert. Um, quintet in C major that one's awesome because that has two violins viola and two cellos okay so that one has like a nice lush warm sound yeah but like the other I was reading a book for school this week and the G major quartet kept coming up and like I don't know I listened to it and just like doesn't do it for me okay so I feel like some string quartet music is so cool I I think it's a really good ensemble for contemporary music and like more avant-garde music. Um, I listen that I buy. It's nice to it's like a little like compositional laboratory or something, and you go in to do like mad experiments in it or something. Yeah, yeah. I I like. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Um, (laughs) like a mad scientist. Okay, so I listened recently. I listened to an album. Um, that was, uh, it was the Eastman string quartet from like the fifties or sixties. The, re- mm-hmm. the recording quality was so bad. I think it was, yeah. um, I think it was Bartok four was the quartet mm-hmm. and it was paired with something else like Ravel or the Ravel in F major or some shit like that. That one's really good. That's a great piece of music actually. And I, th- I think it was because is the, am I right that the Ravel, I mean, I know the Ravel and the WC quartets are 
connected. But I think the Bartok Fourth Quartet is also like another extension of that. Am I right about I that? I think the I think the Ravel and Debussy thing is just like a marketing thing. Like they oh okay they're the two the two French impressionists that each wrote one string so, quartets. They always okay. get put together. Yeah okay so maybe maybe I'm thinking it was definitely paired with. One, either the Debussy or the Ravel, but anyway, what I'm what I'm trying to say is that the recording quality was so bad, like I, I, it was just like all treble, and I know that was partially because of probably in the 50s or 60s whenever it was recorded, um, it was just the quality of the recording equipment. Sometimes I listen to a string quartet, like a more modern quartet, and and you can tell like the sound engineer really knew what they were doing because it sounds yeah. it sounds really full and really good, um, but yeah, I I think. I think it's a cool ensemble. Sometimes when I when I hear chamber music, I feel like it's this conversation between the performers and the composer. You know what I mean? Whereas when you listen to a symphony, the conductor is in the middle of that too, and the mm. conductor, you know, you know, has rehearsed the piece many times with the ensemble, and so the conductor is kind of putting his, his you know, his or her twist on it or whatever. Like there, there, it's. It's more, I don't know, so I just, there's something about chamber music that I just absolutely love um, because. Well, it's like, I, I think it's really democratic. Yeah. Because a conductor is just, their, their instrument is the orchestra. They may as well be a pianist or like a solo instrumentalist, right? Like the conductor isn't going to take any advice from the second French horns or anything. Yeah, fuck them. And so, like, there is a part of chamber music that's attractive in that sort of, like, in a democratic way. Yeah. Yeah. I, I also like like the idea of, like, a bunch of people, like, hanging out in somebody's apartment and, like, playing a string quartet. You know where that comes from? Schubert. 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 Schubertiads. My man. Because there is going to be no... I love you. Bringing it back. Um... <laughs> Schubertiads, um, because his works weren't getting any public performances, they were all like in home, in ho- in home concerts, which is something that like you and I, Nick, have kept doing. Like most yeah. of the concerts we play are in our own homes, because who fucking wants to give us a show? Yeah, nobody, first of all, anywhere. Yeah, nobody fucking cares. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well. <laughs> yeah. But I, it's I like. That's an uh, an awesome tradition. Like, even if I could get a concert in a real place, I would still like to give concerts in my home because that's like, you know, yeah. I, I feel like in a concert hall, it's like there's so much expectation and like in in your own home, you have like more room to experiment with the music and let the, what happens in the moment influence what you think of the piece. Um, House shows are some of the most memorable that I've been to and that I've performed at. For sure. I don't remember shit about any of the fucking shows I've played in halls. Yeah. But I remember all the times like you, you came and played and like I, I in, um, in Potsdam, I played D Shona Miller in that Schubert cycle I was talking about because for, because that was the piece that made me love classical music. It fucking haunted me for years. And yeah. like, Every week or two, I would have to get out the piano score and like sing along to the whole thing. I was listening to it every goddamn day. Yeah. And no one was ever going to ask me to play the whole thing with them. So I recruited 
three or four singers to like divvy up the songs and then we all did it together right. in my apartment um that was really fun that's cool see i i don't have that kind of relationship with the saxophone repertoire <laughs> it's so bad i i don't yeah. i really i mean i love i like like you said i'm i've at some point or another i've fallen in love in love with classical music um what was the what when did you fall in love with classical music okay so i i think that it had a lot to do with um creviston at crane um because i i can very vividly remember just being like in lessons and just him like throwing shit in front of me that i've never even heard of that i was like oh my god this exists like i can do this like you know max and i can fucking do that we can put on a recital and do this shit um and i remember was there a single piece well yeah i i remember yes yeah because i thought about it because i was like okay what when is when did I, when did this happen for me? But when I was a freshman, he put, um, Syrinx in front of me by Debussy. And I, and he was like, all right, you should, you should play this and you should memorize it because at that, at that point I'd never, I've never, I had never memorized anything other than like a, a head and a changes or whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, you know, it's just not part of the saxophone tradition. Um, but anyway, so I memorized Syrinx and I really liked it. I was like, Oh, this is cool. You know, I was like, whatever. Debussy is cool. And, but then, I, that same semester, uh, Orchestra of Northern New York played Prelude to the Afternoon of a Fawn. And I was like, holy shit, Debussy is fucking awesome. Because, and here's why I love, and I, and then, and then that I later on discovered that that piece is even cooler than I thought it was when I was a freshman. But like, that piece sounds amazing as a listener. If, whether you know about music or not, and let's be honest, like freshman year of Crane, I didn't know shit about anything. You didn't know shit. So, but I, I love that piece. I was like, oh, this is great. I couldn't articulate why, but then in grad school, I studied I studied the score more in depth, and there's so much going on in that score that is just yeah. mind blowing. That I was like, holy shit, this is music that sounds amazing, and it almost has this improvisatory feel. Mm-hmm but it's highly structured and highly complex and every single note and every single marking has some kind of deeper meaning that connects to uh what's his fucking name Mallarmé or whatever um, oh yeah, yeah right there's like 110 bars in the piece and uh-huh. there's 110 lines in the poem yeah, yeah. or some sh- uh, something like that i don't, yeah, I don't yeah, fucking yeah. know but it's really complex and so carefully crafted the craftsmanship and like the orchestration and so Debussy is what did it for me in that piece wow, in particular. that's really cool. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. And I, and I again, because I memorized Syrinx, and I had this kind of little relationship with that piece, and I was like, oh, that's cool, but it's like three minutes long, and it's like whatever. And I didn't, I don't know. It's a cool little piece, I guess. But it's not for saxophone. Again, it's not for saxophone. It's for flute. It's for, so yeah, right. I'm like, okay, well, again, I, I have this weird relationship with our repertoire because it just kind of is not that great, and yeah. I don't fucking care okay. about it. But. Two things. Um, one, what's your favorite mythological creature? Okay. Mine is definitely fawn. Or minotaur. I like minotaurs also. Uh, but I think, I think it's fawn for me. Okay. I'm going to go with, <laughs> I'm going to go with the minotaur. <laughs> <laughs> but fawns are cool too. Okay. Great. Okay. Great. That was a good discussion. Okay. Um, secondly, do, do you know about the original choreography for afternoon of a fawn um oh i think 
Maybe. I think it was Nijinsky was the dancer, but he just got on stage and took his dick out and started masturbating. Okay, that sounds right. That, that was it. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> there you go. That's when art... That... <laughs> yeah, uh, you know... That's the piece. That's the piece. And that's when art really meant something. <laughs> Whenever I write, I write a piece and I'm like, I'm just going to do this thing for 10 fucking hours, like... No way it's nearly as cool as just taking your dick out on stage. No. <laughs> That's the highest no. form of art, right? Yeah. It's gotta be. Um, I love Prelude to Afternoon of the Fawn. Me too. I know I know this is the Schubert. piece is so good. I know this is the Schubert show, but I, I hope uh, hopefully somebody will Ask about Debussy because I, I I do know more about Debussy than I know about Schubert. But now again, it's interesting. Now that I, now that you've I've heard you talk about Schubert, I'm psyched to listen to more. I'm going to listen to more right yeah. after this. Um, you know, recently Nick and I realized that we've now known each other for longer than we haven't than we didn't know each other. Like we met when we were 15 or 16, and now we're in our goddamn 30s um and i didn't know that about you i didn't know that it was wc that turned Ah, you into there you go to classical music that's pretty cool it makes a lot of sense yeah my my man was using whole tone scales and like ninth chords and shit that's i mean you know it's really good my my man um what else anything else um hi maybe maybe let's like Take a break, go to the bathroom, do a shot. Yeah. <laughs> sure. And then, and then, um. Wait, how many segments are on this show? <laughs> this is a long show. Well, this one's only an This isn't like an hour and eight right now. Okay. Oh, oh, that's not bad. Okay. Masha, Masha didn't have a lot of time to talk. She's a noted scholar. Had a lot of other shit to do. So I only got like three minutes of her time. Okay, so she's not going to get fucked up and talk about WC like I'm doing. <laughs> I would be shocked if my guest Masha Kalmarov came on the show drunk. That would be fucked up. I would have to call the authorities. Um, Got it. Another thing I wanted to do, you know, let's take a break. Let's take a break real quick. Let's do it. Fucking do it. Okay. All right. Um... I'm gonna call Mike Aquendo and see if he can dial in real quick because he's not, probably not drunk, but he does have a really good Schubert story. Oh fuck, that's amazing! Yeah, let's get this. And I asked him if he would get drunk and come on the show, but he said no. But maybe he can just come on and tell the story, anyways. That's yeah. I'm gonna, that's fine. I'm gonna go pee and call him. Yeah, and we don't have to say his name. We could say we could call him Al or something. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll be right back. Okay. his nickname was yeah actually why don't you why don't you guess what his nickname was i'll give you three guesses okay uh freddy no 
Really good. I really couldn't guess. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> sh- sh- uh, Shobi. Let's go with Shobi. Really, really good. Okay. Really close. Really close. Okay. Um, Schoonover. <laughs> <laughs> That's not it. <laughs> That's not it. Um, what's, his, what's his nickname? The Little Mushroom. I could see that. Because apparently he was only 5'1". Okay. And a little chonky. And he loved tripping on mushrooms. <laughs> and he... Oh, don't even get me started about that. <laughs> um, so Schubert was known as the Little Mushroom. Yeah, and speaking of mushrooms... <laughs> I don't know. Do you have a shot? Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. Do you ever have Fernet? Did I make you have Fernet? Yes. Yeah, we had that uh, in North Carolina. Oh, definitely. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, we did. <laughs> also, anytime you came to Canton, I'm sure I made you have Pro- it. But... Yeah, probably. Also, yeah, dude, that, that night in North Carolina... That was so fun. That was like, I- I'll never forget that. We fucking were hanging out with Milton... Milton. We got pizza. It was awesome. Um, we ran. I remember running. <laughs> for some reason, every time we're hanging out and we're drunk, I'm for some reason I, <laughs> I wake up sore and then I'm like, wait a minute. It's because I was sprinting at some point last night. <laughs> I don't remember why. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway. All right. Cheers. Cheers. Um. I mean, I think oh um one thing I really want to do um so Deshona Millerin is his first big song cycle yeah his second one is Vinterizer do you know that one no um so in Deshana Millerin, there's like still some positive bits, right? Like he finishes his apprenticeship, he's happy. He goes out in the woods, finds a brook that he's friends with for whatever reason, he's happy. Yeah. He meets the Miller's daughter, he's happy. But Winterreise, um, it's all bad news. It starts like when the character's um, a, a marriage has been like, he had a fiance but in the end they're not going to get married Mm -hmm. and it starts with him leaving town so it's all downhill from there Mm. so good so dark like definitely the darkest piece of western classical music ever and i have this fantasy of like putting a piano like and a singer so like myself and a singer on a platform um in the woods and wait, waiting until snow comes, and like that's where the Winterreise um, concert will happen. So Winterreise means like w- the winter journal, uh, winter, <laughs> winter journey. Uh-huh. And so what will happen? We'll be on this platform, and it'll get, like it'll move along these tracks, right? And so if you want to see the concert, you have to like walk along in the woods as as we're going. Like you have to be on a winter journey yourself, and um, like. I'll get all these people dressed in like all black, like black hoods and capes or some shit to like come out of the woods at a certain point and like grab ropes attached to the platform 
it'll look like they're pulling it, but kind of like it's just it's all automatic anyways. It's no big deal. Um, but I <laughs> I used to have this fantasy of like putting a piano on a raft and like floating down a river and playing piano and like blasting the sound outward to the banks and like having microphones pick it up and black it ba- blast it back onto the river towards me. That's a little impractical. I think playing Winterreise in the middle of the woods and making the <laughs> listeners walk alongside the the platform in the woods it's a little more practical yeah i think i know that sounds awesome that sounds amazing i think woods like concerts in the woods are really cool yeah that's really i i would i would be there i would be in the audience for sure yeah you'd be the only one it's like it's (laughs) i may have to i may have to perform too (laughs) you may have to perform because what singer is going to do it? I'll, I'll do it. I'll sing. I don't even know if that shit's possible. I kinda, but it's fun to have ideas. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, I Yeah, I know what you mean. I kind of wish I was a singer sometimes. I always wish I was a singer. Yeah. Do you know that I sang at the at um, a voice area recital like my when I was at Crane um, just before I came to Minnesota? So I, I, don't, I don't mean to laugh. That's awesome. No, that's, I, well, you can laugh, but there was one, there was one singer I was accompanying and she gave me voice lessons instead of paying me. And then at the last, um, voice area recital of the semester, like before I moved away, I sang a Schubert song. I sang the song that made me fall in love with Schubert. Um, I didn't know this. That's a fucking amazing. Yeah. See, I'm learning something about you. That's, that's fucking amazing. I, dude, that's, uh, singing is the best. Singing is that's cool. the only thing. If I could go back in time. Like, I wouldn't go to school for music at yeah. all. But if I did, if someone put a gun to my head and said go to school for music, I would go as a s- singer. Singing is the coolest possible thing. Yeah. You get to sing the text. You get to fucking be in the operas and there's drama and fucking orchestras and shit. Like, piano is so lame. There's no vibrato. There's no fucking portamento. Yeah. You got to be by yourself all the goddamn time. Right. It's so quiet. At least saxophone, you can make, like, crazy fucking loud-ass sounds. Right, and that's pretty much all I do now. Like... And that, that that's why I love the music you play. Yeah, I I don't. <laughs> well, okay, so I would I would also go to I would also be a singer too, um, for those same reasons. Like singing is really cool. Um, yeah. Ah man. So I think that I think that that about does it. Cool. Um. Any any what, you got any other questions about Schubert, man? Um, I feel like I, ah. Uh, I don't know. I'm trying to think, like you know, for like any listeners out there who like are still wondering about Schubert. Yeah, I feel like we covered a lot of stuff about his his life. Like you know, um, he was an, kind of an underdog, basically. Definitely, an he underdog. was basically the ultimate underdog, and he didn't have the recognition that he deserved when he was alive. Um, yeah. Now, okay. Now, here's a question: What about oh, yeah. when, when in the in the history of, of Western music, did people say, oh, hey, this motherfucker's worth checking out. Like, he wrote some shit. Like, who... who I think it's... Who revived his I think music? it started with Schumann. Okay. Because, so Schumann had um, a music journal, and he wrote reviews of music, and he wrote some reviews of Schubert in there. Okay. Like, I mentioned the Ninth Symphony and the Heavenly Length. Um that's that's from a schumann review um 
Okay, was Schumann but older or younger? Become... Schumann is younger, but he outlived him. Yeah, so Schumann was born in 18... Oh, Jesus. Somewhere between 1810 and 1813. Um, like so after... Chopin, Schumann... After Schubert. Because do I remember correctly that Schubert had some kind of relationship with Clara Schumann? That's Brahms. Oh, okay, that's right. My my, my man, <laughs> my man. Yeah. Um, hold on a sec. Schumann... 1810 to Schumann was born in 1810 so he and he lived until 1856 okay. so he was alive for 30 more years after Schubert but Got it. Schubert didn't become a part of like the like pianist concert program until the 20th century part of it I think it. has to do with some of the same problems as Mahler where like the music is too long you gotta listen to it a bunch of times you can't put that shit on a record in 1910 because sides are like two or three minutes long. Right? Interesting. But then in the second half of the century, like Richter, and it starts starts playing it. Richter, I, this this is fucking probably not true at all. But for me, Richter is like Richter is to Schubert as Lenny Bernstein is to Mahler. Oh, okay. Where he like puts that shit in the classical piano repertoire, and now like everyone plays. And again. That's probably not true. Okay. In fact, it's probably demonstrably false. And like, and you you oh, heard it no. here. <laughs> and you heard it here. And I'm saying it. And that's what I believe. Uh, okay. Okay. I don't know. Well, that, that no, that's that's interesting. I mean, there might there might there's, prob there's probably some truth to that, right? I don't know. Maybe he he definitely played the he played the sonatas. I'll give you that. And they're really good. His performances of them are great. Cool. Um. Yeah. Yeah, maybe we should play the arpeggion sonata. We should. That'd be cool. Backwards. Backwards. <laughs> half yeah, at right. half tempo. <laughs> okay, now we're getting somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. All right. So um. Let's play some break music, and then when we come back, we're going to have the interview with Masha Komarov, and then um, that'll be it for this episode. All right. See you in a bit. Welcome back, everyone. Um, we are so fortunate to have as a guest right now Masha Komarov, a noted Schubert scholar. Um, her research focuses specifically on the la the later piano works, um, but she 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 knows a lot about um, all of Schubert's rep. Um, we're so fortunate to have her. Thank you for making time to be here, Masha. How's it, how's it going? So Masha, first of all, thank you so much for being on the show. Um, it's great to hear from you. Um, I was wondering if you could tell me, did Schubert have any other movements or any other music or, or thematic material written for his symphony number no. eight, the Unfinished Symphony? <laughs> 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 
Yeah, sorry, I I didn't really brief Nick um, about you only having listened to the last piano sonata ever. Masha, I was wondering, um, tell me about how uh, Schubert had um, had training early on um, when he was when he was a child. Um, at what point did his teachers and, and uh, mentors recognize that he had a, um, a, like great talent and a, a, an ear for music? So about the same age that you are. It's known that... Um, you prefer Richter's version of the last sonata. Um, it's, it's known to put you to sleep and calm you down. What What do you think of the performance of someone like Lang Lang? That That's a really that's a really interesting point, Masha. I feel like babies have a, a pretty close relationship to Schubert because, like, I feel like it's pretty nice in the womb. You got all your meals paid for, you don't have to cook, you don't have to pay rent, and you get shoved out into the world. All of a sudden, you gotta pay electric bills and student loans. So I understand why a baby would really like Schubert. Um, what do you say to the people who your detractors who say that you're only interested in Schubert because you're a baby. <coughs> Being a baby, um, you know, like, have you ever done coke? Wow, that was just an enlightening discussion. I can't thank Masha enough. Her schedule is fucking crazy. And it, I, yeah, I, I can't thank her enough for coming on the show. Um, that's it for us here at the Gustav Baller Show. Um, anything you want to plug, Nick? Uh, yeah, I just I just put out some music um, under Moonbase. If you go to Moonbase dot bandcamp.com you can find my uh new album that's cool yeah it's like weird I'm electronic sure checking it out like weird electronic music um some some might ask is it similar to the weird electronic music that makes up the soundtrack to this show i might ask that for instance yeah it sounds like that kind of it kind of kind of does okay that's that's cool because that, that shit rocks um all right. Thanks for listening, everyone. Um, next time, I think we're going to have a discussion about race politics in classical music um, with with a friend of mine who is a singer. And uh, I don't know. You got any other episode ideas, Nick? What do you want to come back for? Um, Debussy. 
Okay, WC. Maybe <laughs> Liggity. Yeah, we can, we can do WC. Um, oh, Liggity. That's a really good one. Thad Jones? I don't know. I don't know. Is that, does that count? Thad Jones? That the, count? the Thad Jones episode is just going to be... <laughs> the next time we're in person, we're just going to do a live stream of us listening to Thad Jones and getting fucked up. <laughs> Okay, fair enough. Yeah, we could do we could do like a like an Instagram live thing. Man, Thad Jones is so good. I'm gonna go listen to some Thad Jones right now. Um, yeah, anything you know, anything, whatever, whatever, whatever you want to have me for is cool. All right. Well, as always, um, let us know what um, <laughs> constructive criticisms you have, or. Just whatever digs you want to take at us, that's totally cool. <laughs> it's warranted, and we definitely deserve it. Oh, we deserve Yeah, we but deserve it. I don't know about you, listener, in the singular, but I had a great time. <laughs> I love Schubert. I hope, I hope you guys do, too. And, um, yeah, thanks for coming back, Nick. Yeah. Uh, thanks again for listening, everybody, and I'll see you soon. <laughs>